Welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues of interest to marketing, media and advertising. Today I'm at AdForum offices in Manhattan and talking with Hervé de Klerk, who is the founder of AdForum, dream leader of Act Responsible and a world board director at the IAA, the International Advertising Association. That's quite a mouthful, Hervé, but welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Darren. And in fact, thank you for hosting me. These are your new offices in New York. It's my first day in this office, and it's the second day the office opened. <laughs> Excellent. Well, look, um, you know, I, I think we've known each other. I track it back to about 2007, so it's a little over a decade. And the reason I wanted to sit down and have a conversation with you is that apart from Ad Forum and the Ad Forum Summit, which is how you know I, we've worked together and, and yeah. uh, interacted. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been aware through the work that you've done at Cannes Lion Festival and, and generally the conversations that you talk about, that you have a real interest in the idea of advertising as doing good for society, not just selling products. Is that, is that a fair... It, it's, it's absolutely that. But probably the way I should uh, start uh, on this is the, is how, we, how the whole thing started. Okay. At Forum is, apart from doing the summit, which is a meeting between uh, uh, pitch consult, so-called pitch yeah, consultants, consultants and, and agencies, and, and agencies uh, it's a huge database of uh, agencies from all over the world. And it's also a huge database of creative work. We have like... Mm. Uh, 200,000 more um, creative campaigns from all over the world. Um, and it's, it's based in Paris and in New York. And in 2001, two planes bumped into oh, yeah. the Twin Towers. Yeah, September my, 11. September 11. My, my apartment is two blocks away, one block away. I could see it. Mm. I, and I, as a matter of fact, I was there and I saw it. And, you know, remember that time, the whole world became American. A lot of things have changed since, but at that time, really, you know, it was a moving moment. I, I, sorry, I remember because uh, in Australia, it was late at night. Yeah. So, you know, it was early morning here in New York. I had come home from being out at a function and I turned on the TV and they were showing the first plane going into the World Trade Center, the first tower. Yeah. And while I was doing that live coverage, I saw the second plane and I just thought, this is the end of the world. You know, this is World War Three yeah. uh, coming. It was so shocking, even on the other side of the world. So I can only imagine to be that close in proximity. It must have been life-changing. It was life-changing. We, uh, we and, and obviously we were, all of us, you know, I just crossed the river, the, the office was on the other side of the river facing the, the, the Twin Towers, and we were sitting there not knowing what we could do, uh, totally stunned uh, in silence. And obviously, we were not going to call clients and try to sell our stuff. Uh, and so we started to think, what can we do? And one guy came up and said, we should do our job, which is to talk to the community and get them to give money and blood and you name it. Mm-hmm. And finally, uh, what we did was uh, you know, the, the day after, basically, we started a, 
uh, we put a banner on our website saying, donate your talent. And we, in a matter of hours, we started receiving campaigns uh, against terrorism, campaigns in support of the firefighters and police and so forth and families and so forth. We started give, you know, we, we, we put this work uh, on media as much as we could. Uh, we had all over what, like 100 campaigns uh, you know, at that time. We, and we decided to do an exhibition of that work because it was so moving, so moving. We presented it in November in Paris, Advertising Week. Mm-hmm. And there uh, I sat down with the mayor of Cannes, who was a former DDB guy, the Bernard Beauchamp, former president of DDB International. And he'd tell me, he'd, he told me, bring this to Cannes for the next festival. And so that was our first exhibition of work. And, 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 and it, you know, everybody went there and looked at this work like, like it, it was so moving. We decided to continue be, uh, to show the world that the advertising industry plays its role, can play its role, mm. uh, can really do good. Uh, and following year, we asked the mayor, can we stay there? You give us the space during the festival to show work for good. And that's how it started. Since then, it moved uh, a lot. Uh, we did a, you know, it's, the basis was this exhibition in Cannes. It's still going on every year. Mm. We gather work from all over the world and we build exhibitions. And we build exhibitions either in Cannes, but we, we, we did it. We were the only advertising exhibition ever done in Davos. Uh, years ago, oh, right, yeah. uh, we had uh, we brought in Kofi Annan to speak at the uh, can uh, on the Cannes stage. Um, we had the support. Uh, we had a film supporting uh, the industry or calling on the industry talent by uh, by Ban Ki Moon. Uh, so we we used our voice, our our we used this this basis as a way to inspire the community, inspire the, uh, as a matter of fact, act, mean advertising community together. Oh, right. Okay. So that's act responsible is advertising community together being responsible. Exactly. Fantastic. I was wondering, I thought I took it very literally as acting responsibly. We should should act responsibly also. Also. So it works both ways, which (laughs) is the best acronym you can possibly have. Um, it's interesting because uh, I remember the uh, summit, the uh, consultant summit in New York in 2009 was just before and in the lead up to Copenhagen yep. 09, which was about climate change. Yep. And I remember yourself and David Jones, who at that stage was Have Us. Mm-hmm. It was Euro, Euro, but he was Have Us. Um, they're quite proactive in the support of uh COP9. I know that as well because I went back in my blog on at Trinity P3 10 years ago to now is uh, in October was 17 posts, almost all of them in support of the activities that the industry, you and David were organising in support of Copenhagen. Really? And, and yeah. hoping, you know, we were all so full of uh, enthusiasm that this would be the start of the big change 
uh, in I, dealing with climate change globally. I, I agree. It was it was interesting because uh, not only we worked with the with David Jones on the on the campaign. It was the campaign called Tick Tick Tick. That's right. Yeah. Time time uh, time is ticking. Um, it was very one of very very successful campaign uh, that were uh, supporting the climate justice uh, mm-hmm. um, effort by Kofi Annan. But at that time, it was also on the other side. I was also involved in the development of a campaign uh, via the International Advertising Association through the United Nations, Ban Ki Moon, who was supporting another campaign called Hopenhagen. That's right. Um, yes, the same year. Yeah. So, so in both ways, we were pushing this 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 effort, which uh, unfortunately has not, you know, that 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 uh, Copenhagen summit was not a very good success. It was the failure um, of the international community to act together and do something. Which, uh, when you say it's 2009, that's 10 years ago. Exactly. And only now we are seeing the start of a movement, uh, not even the movement, the start of the awareness of the importance of that subject through Greta uh, Thunberg, through other, you know, uh, rebellion and so forth. It it has been interesting, hasn't it? Because uh, looking back on those posts that I did, and it's because I came back from the... um, from the summit in New York and went back to Australia and was rapidly trying to support Tick, Tick, Tick and Hopenhagen. Um, There was a TV commercial that I had conversations about having it run for Mm. Tick, Tick, Tick. And yet the, the disappointment that I think everyone felt because... Basically what happened is that with all the best intentions to to address this issue, reading what came out of it was the fact that the world is not unified in its view of the problem. And that what we had was first world countries, you know, a well-established markets like the UK and, and the USA and Australia having a very different view of the world to say India and China, who at that stage 10 years ago are rapidly evolving their middle classes and improving the quality of life. Uh, a great uh, metaphor was like the Western world had been sitting having a lavish three-course meal of carbon and these emerging uh, uh, markets came to the table and Copenhagen was effectively saying, right, well, let's split, split the bill equally between everyone. <laughs> and the Chinese and the Indians are going, hang on, we've only got here for dessert or coffee. <laughs> yeah, why are we picking up a share of your... You know, so it's where politics and economics got in the way of a view of doing what's best for humanity. Very good metaphor, very good metaphor. And it's still the case. It's still the case today. Mm. Um, to see that, well, and, and the divide between between developed countries and uh, emerging countries is still mm-hmm. still very big, and uh, uh, I don't see a lot of improvement. I see I see a lot of no. I, I should say I see some improvement coming up, uh, mm-hmm. not not a lot, but some improvement due to the fact that now collectively we begin to everybody begin to be aware that you know, yeah. it, it has finally come to the table. The, the, the subject.
Well, uh, close to my home, uh, there was a meeting of uh, the countries of Oceania mm-hmm. who are facing literally uh, the oceans rising and wiping out the, the very land that they live on. Um, and Australia, for its part, is still watering down any uh, decision or any action on climate change because I come from a country where the Prime Minister walked into Parliament with a big lump of coal and said that's the future of uh, Australian electricity. Can you imagine? And this is at a time when, you know, to be a climate change denier seems ridiculous. It's, it's like being a flat earther. Yeah, but it's still the key. It's yeah. Still the key. You must, in your career and your business, you know, you travel, you've got businesses on either side of the Atlantic, you have, a, I imagine, a, a global network of people. Do you see um, the, these differences as ever being overcome? I, I see a lot of differences between, um, let's say, big blocks, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, let me put in one block. This is not, not right, but... Yeah, but as, a, as an observation. As yeah. an observation. Uh, the big block, the, the Anglo-Saxon mm-hmm. big block, the Latin block, and the Asian or emerging... Mm-hmm. It's three different things. Interestingly, um, if you take, for instance, in our database, in the database of, 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 of we have a database specifically on good, mm-hmm. and this database is divided in, in three sub-databases, if you want. One is about um, uh, environment, one is about uh, social, and one is about health, okay? Three different focus um, of campaigns for, for good. Uh, if I look at the, 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 the repartition, the, the, the repartition of these focuses between these blocks, you, you see a lot of difference. Environment is very important in Asia, mm-hmm. less important, a little less important in France, in, in, in Europe, sorry. And definitely not on the on on the on, on the board for here in, in the U.S. Uh, or recently so, but but look the, the best example or the obvious example is the impact of Greta Thunberg mm. is far bigger in in Europe than it is anywhere else. Yeah, and definitely not not here. Even if she she's been here, there's still a lot of of climate denier here, and there's no climate denier in Europe. Well, which is why the uh, backlash from what they saw as the male, pale and stale climate denier was so much bigger in the US. The criticism about Greta and her role was so vitriolic here from parts of the US. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas you read almost nothing but support in, in, from Europe. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Well, we, we could talk about Greta for, for a long, long time because she is she is extremely important. I mean, a lot of you know people here would, would tell you that she's manipulated and this and that. And they talk about her, about mm. her face, her smile, the mm. way she... she but she not talks. what she represents. But let's face it, this girl started, even if she is now, Surrounded by people mm. uh, that that are helping her, and I hope so. I hope she is. Yeah. Uh, she started alone. Yeah, 
alone, a schoolgirl in front of the parliament in Sweden, you know, look at the impact and look at the 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 the, the awareness that created for that issue, and and suddenly, you know, this is part of the conversation at the dinner table, everywhere, including here. But still, environment is far behind the focuses of the Americans or the or the Saxons in yeah. general, I should say. Yeah. And because uh, it, it extends to Australia, it's also in the UK. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, whereas there's a well, I, I personally find the conversations around environment in Europe, including um, the Nordics and right through Europe, uh, much more intense. There is greater level of engagement because. I'm not sure if you're aware, but back in 2007, I partnered with one of my consultants, a guy called Christopher Sewell, and he has a business called the Gaia Partnership. Back in 2007, he developed a methodology for measuring the CO contribution of advertising, media and production, which would allow advertisers to optimise their media choices to minimise carbon. Now, in Australia, the US and the UK, very few people are interested. But from Europe, people are leaning forward and asking lots of questions and saying, how could we use this? How could we actually use this to optimise our choices of media so that we contribute less carbon? This is, you know, as you've seen, uh, I leaned at also when you started talking about that because I think this is really a core of our, of our issue. We should probably take a... You know, a moment to, to discuss specifically on this. I'd like to finish on the on the differences, yeah. though. Um, the the other point, the other very big difference is on on the issues on the social issues, for instance. Yeah. Social issues here are not the same as they are in, in in continental Europe. Definitely, the obsession that the American have, or the American or Anglo-Saxon have, on um, on uh, diversity, inclusion, uh, and gender equality, and LGTB, is is far far more important than the than the the, the obsession, the, the social issue that the Europeans mm -hmm. are uh, interested in. We, we we in Europe have, or they in Europe have more interest into um, domestic violence, for instance. Uh, that that's a big big topic that we uh, that we have. Um, here, um, if you remember the, 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 what the, what the, uh, the, the agencies uh, talk about, in every single presentation, there is an LGTB moment mm -hmm. or inclusion moment or diversity moment, it, which is good, but it, it's very different from the focus that we have. We would, we would sit in the same kind of meetings in Paris or Madrid or, uh, or, or, or even uh, Hamburg. And do you think part of that, and especially because, you know, you grew up in France, that, uh, you know, and, and the French historically had a revolution which was about egalitarianism, <laughs> um, that perhaps as a society it's taken more for granted that inclusion is part of society or is it just that it's not seen as an issue? As big an issue. No, it is. Well, yeah, it is seen as, a, as an issue. Let's face it. There's yeah. a lot of the Me Too existed in, yeah. in, in, in Europe uh, as well. I'm, I'm talking about the importance of and the importance of, of it. Okay. And, and I really think that, uh, and, and the issue should be there because uh, you know we, we've all lived in a different world that we live now. Uh, 
the, the point I wanted to make on this is that there is a cultural effect, a cultural aspect on, on, on this, uh, because yes, uh, probably we are, we are not a Puritan uh, continental Europe, or Latin Europe, I should mm-hmm. say, is more Catholic than, than, than the northern part of, of Europe or yeah. the US. So that might, uh, the, the Puritan aspect must have a, an effect, which I will, uh, but, but even, even if you go more south, uh, or, or, or east, uh, you know, the, the, the way they see these issues, uh, the issue of the, of the woman, for instance, in, in, in the Arab countries or, or eastern countries, is very different from mm. the way we, we see it. For good or for bad, we think, because we are the dominant culture, we think it's for bad, uh, we think we should impose our views to the others. That's still in question between the universal values and the cultural values Mm. There is a there is a divide that I don't know where it is exactly, mm. um, and it is it's always a fascinating consideration when you're talking about global, whether it's global business, global trends, uh, uh, global politics, is that one of the things that makes the world so interesting is the differences. Yeah, and I do find it, yeah, you know, it's it's quite a Puritan perspective to want to judge everyone else based on your own, you know, a set of values that this is right and everyone else is wrong. Because some of those cultures we're talking about are, you know, millennia, millennial older than um, the, the Puritan culture or the Anglo-Saxon culture. You know, they've been around for a very long time. We, we could take, as an example, we took it to take China. Mm. In, in terms of number of people, in terms of importance of, of ancient civilization and so forth, they have, they have a voice, they have a voice to, to, to the table. They mm. have to say something. I don't think they have the same view on diversity, on uh, uh, gender equality, on, uh, on even on, on, on age uh, mm. that, you know, here I am an old man. Yeah. Over there I am a, a wise man. Uh, you know that's. A it, that is true. I mean, they have a set of uh, values which are all about you know respecting your elders and and uh, you know they think of the family as quite an extended family. Um, on on regards to the roles of men and women, they uh, they see men and women quite differently. Quite different. Not necessarily unequally but certainly differently. And in fact, uh, even the Chinese, uh, you know, the fact that it's considered a communist country, interestingly, it's embraced capitalism in almost all forms to actually raise the standard of living for 1.4 billion people. Exactly. So, you know, on some... Yeah, on uh, the, the way you judge Chinese society depends on your perspective. But there are some things that you have to say, well, they've achieved huge uh, uh, evolution in, in quality of life. Exactly. But it's there's other costs associated with that and what's acceptable or not. It must be interesting doing business with all these different people. I mean, your involvement with the uh, International Advertising Association, because that's a global role. Um, your role with uh, Act Responsible, uh, is a you know global because you're bringing work in from and, and identifying work. Uh, it it must be 
a constant feast of, you know, seeing these tensions and conflicts and things and really wondering about how to navigate the way through. This is um, probably one of the most difficult things you, you have to, to, to manage is, is try to put yourself in the shoes of the other people in front of you. Um, well, you go, you, you, you travel as much as I, I do probably, and you are even more global, I think, than I am because you have more Asian experience than, than, than I have. I, I, I travel to Asia sometimes. I, I do this meeting with the International Advertising Association who are very strong in Asia and less, less in, in the rest of the world. So I, I have to meet you know, Korean, Chinese, and so forth. And I think it's it, it's extremely interesting because you, you you mentioned you mentioned the fact that you know it opens your mind to other way of looking at the same thing, mm. um, and the idea of um, universal uh, culture, universal values leading to universal culture, leading to universal advertising is is bullshit basically. Yeah. <laughs> That doesn't work that, that way, uh, even if there are some communities and more and more communities in the world, because the more, the more it's more and more global, we still are moved or animated by our culture, mm. by, by my parents, grandparents and the French Revolution, mm. uh, definitely. Absolutely. Um, that's why I find uh, China so fascinating, because uh, the number of, uh, the Chinese call us Westerners, the number of Westerners that think that China wants to become like Westerners, but they don't. They want to be modern, but they want to be modern on their terms. Yeah, and so what they're doing is that they look at what's happening elsewhere in the world and they'll pick something up and then they'll turn it into something that's uniquely Chinese. Mm. They'll interpret everything from their cultural base. They've got 5,000 years of uh, culture, yeah. of history, yeah. you know, um, and, and continuous history. You know, one of the things that my wife shared with me is, I think she said the average dynasty in China was 300 years. So if you think about the communists, the People's Republic of China, they're only 70 years into a 300-year dynasty. And that's the way that the Chinese think. They have a view of the world that is not just about winning the battles. They think about, you know, a 300-year transformation. Versus the quarterly results, huh? Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and so it's fascinating when you, you really get an opportunity to delve into the underlying thinking. But I think it requires you to have a much more open mind. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, if we if we uh, if we look at advertising, um, to come back to one of the points you, you made uh, and the difference of perception, twenty years ago, when I when we started, was it twenty years? Yeah, two thousand one or two thousand yeah. ninety nine. I started that forum twenty years ago. You know, there was no Google, or Google was just just born. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no YouTube. Uh, there was no Facebook at all. So, and and if and the world environment did not mean anything here in the U.S. and was already present in in Europe. Mm. It, when you talked about sustainability, 
people didn't know what you were talking about. No. Literally, they didn't understand the word. So you would explain sustainability to a guy here, and you say, "Oh yeah, yeah, I know. We are doing." I would sit down with a with a CEO of an agency and ask him, "What is what do you do in terms of sustainability? What do you think about it? What do you do it?" And he would ask, "Oh, we do a lot. We do CSR." Yeah. CSR was the same. That, that was it. Say, so what, what do what do you do in terms of CSR? Well, uh, we do a lot of pro bono campaigns. So the effort of the industry at that time, 20 years ago, was we do a lot of pro bono campaigns. Yeah. Was it for CSR or was it for can can uh, award? You you you. You know, you're, you, you may be the judge. Or, or just to make your staff feel good because they're working on cigarette brands otherwise. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And I, we, we love, but I, I did work on cigarettes and, and booze. And alcohol and, and, and booze gambling. And, 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 exactly. And, and I loved it, to be honest. I loved it. I enjoyed it very much. But, you know, the truth is, you know, the, 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 the pure concept of doing good didn't exist. No. I'm not talking about even... You know, saving your carbon, or you know, or or or, or taking care of your footprint, uh, that didn't even exist. It it came slowly mm. into the into the in, into the, the the table, and probably I should say maybe uh, half to halfway ten years ago it started really. I mean, people started really to understand. Okay, we've got to do something, and agencies started to think about how how we should should be part of that. And they started, and I think the for me, the, the sparkle started in 2009. Was it 2009? When Dove campaign... Mm. You know, Re- natural beauty. The natural Real beauty. The, yeah. the, uh, the uh, yeah, pure beauty or whatever, yeah. I mean, came, uh, came and was a shock to mm. everyone. Came from London, from Unilever, and has been the, the motto of Unilever since. But, but that was the start of when the in, this industry started to think in terms of purpose. Mm. And the, 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 the word purpose didn't even exist. It was... It... Look, and it's really interesting that you've raised that because you know, business in the 70s first coined the phrase the triple bottom line. That was in the 1970s. People were talking about it's not just financial, yeah. it's environmental and social. That was the triple bottom line. How, you know, we'd, it, there'd been the, um, the global oil crisis and, uh, and uh, conservation was, uh, you know, this was before climate change yeah. became even on the main on the science yeah, radar. Yeah, yeah. This is, you know, when we were talking about, you know, the early days of... Um, uh, Attenborough and, that, and talking about the need to conserve our native, so uh, a wild life and nature. Um, so we they coined the phrase the triple bottom line. Mm. Then it sort of disappeared in the 80s, you know, where greed was good and the baby boomers were able Absolutely. to, you know, it was all about greed. Then we had the uh, the stock market crash of uh, nine, uh, 87. 87 yeah. And then the sort of rebuild into the 90s. When, you know, what you're talking about here is then the technology bubble in, uh, oh, the and Y2K yeah, in, uh, leading yeah, up yeah, to yeah, 2000, yeah. the technology bubble in there. Then we had the global uh, collapse in uh, 2007-8. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's been interesting how 
these things bubble up between the economic disasters. Every time there's an economic disaster, people focus on having a job and getting paid. Yeah. And then when, when that passes, and it invariably does because it always goes in cycles, then we start remembering, oh, God, we need a planet to live in. We need clean air. We need clean water. We want to leave something for the next generation so they don't have to live in bubbles. It, it's quite interesting. I think purpose is the, the idea of purpose and having a focus on, and, and what I call it ethical, social and environmental. They're the three pillars. Uh, is because we've now got a generation that have seen what their parents have done and are now, and, and to your point about Greta, she represents that generation she, she that does. is going to inherit this planet. She does. And, and when I hear that, when I hear people saying, what can we do, or we, uh, we, are, we, we can't do anything, the government have to do something. Yes, sure, the government have to do something, companies have to do something, but they, they won't do it unless we have greatness, mm -hmm. unless we have consumers starting to mm -hmm. say, and you know, that, that's, that's why purpose became so important. I mean, today there is no copy strategy without the word purpose in it. What's the purpose of this brand? Well, what's the purpose of this brand 10 years ago was, well, maybe not 10 years, yeah. Yeah, 10 years, 10 ago, years ago was to sell more was brands. Was to sell more brands, exactly. <laughs> today, today we, we, you take seriously that aspect. What is the social, environmental uh, purpose of, of, of that brand? Um, now, and, and 10 years ago, you, you, you'd see companies starting to do green. Mm. A lot of that green was greenwashing. Yeah. I remember uh, making a speech at the um, WFA at the WFA meeting about 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 green, and that was probably ten years ago. And I and my conclusion was, greenwashing is good. And the, the obviously it was provocative, but but the the provocation was, greenwashing was the first moment when people began to think, oh, it is is it is important to be green. Okay, we do greenwashing because we don't have other options and it's an easy way to, to go. But that was the first moment when you had the prise de conscience, the, 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 suddenly you understand awareness, that, you know, yeah. the awareness that, 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 that you should good. take care. This yeah. was good. So greenwashing was the phase one. And then you went to phase two, which was to say purpose. And purpose today is still in the area of communication, still on the area of declaration mm. it has to be genuine it has to be uh, and, and, authentic uh, authentic and all that yeah. but it's still about we believe in or our brand believes in mm. now there's a third phase that you begin to see and it's about time which is from declaration or from from communication to action which is now our brand has a purpose and this is the purpose and, and we have to live it. And we live with that purpose and we do something mm -hmm. about that purpose. I, I have in mind a campaign done by uh, Renault, mm -hmm. a French car manufacturer, who has called his purpose mobility. mobility. Mm -hmm. uh, and what they do is they, they, they decided to focus on help people who, have, who do, not, do not have the mean to, to move, but need a car to go and find work. They can't find work because they don't have a car. And they started to organize a system of 
refurbishing of broken cars. Yeah. Uh, for people that for people that can't that can't find a work if they don't have a car, and that that's that's the moment when your purpose becomes something in action. So uh, this is one of the things I, I understand: brands coming up with a purpose, and then that driving corporate change. Right. The other way is to actually dig within the organization and find the purpose if it exists there. And then use marketing to actually communicate and amplify that, not just to consumers, but also employees. In, inside, to, yeah, 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 to stakeholders, yeah. to shareholders, to everyone. Oh, yeah. You know, marketing is incredibly powerful yeah, yeah. at communicating and, and engaging people. Um, and so, whether you go one way or the other, my my concern is there's been a number of times where a brand has embraced a purpose. And it's been seen as being inauthentic yeah. because it's too far ahead of the organization to live up to it. So they say things like, we are not going to use uh, palm oil from anywhere that's not a um, uh, you know, um, uh, 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 plantation, mm -hmm. except that then we find out that the company still has to make up for a shortfall because there's not enough plantation palm oil available. Yeah. And so everyone, because of social media, immediately goes, well, you can't trust the brands, you know. Yeah, and, it can and, backlash. It, yeah. and, and, and so that's where greenwashing or wokewashing yeah. is the latest, uh, you know. You need to be careful. You need to embrace a, 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 a brand purpose that you can reasonably live up to. Yeah. That's why I thought Dove Pure, Pure Beauty or Natural Beauty was so good because it could be as simple as the selection of talent. Yeah. But it's not, it's not that obvious you know, to find a purpose that you, know, you can live with uh, because very often, I mean, the purpose that, I mean, let's face it, the, the pharmaceutical companies, they, they find purpose that is in their domain or uh, the, the energy company, like, you mm. know, if Total or, or Shell yeah. or Exxon, you know, does something, it, it has to be something going or with BP. The, or BP. <laughs> it has to be something going with the environment. So, yeah. it, but, but, you know, if, if, if it can't, I mean, if BP, if BP is, is organizing, uh, I don't know, a sailing uh, race and, and, yeah. and, 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 and talking about the, the power of the energy of wind and so forth, doesn't make any sense because they are. Yeah, but okay, on the okay, other okay. hand, they have to invest in, in their own domain mm. and that's the domain which pollutes. Yeah. Now, that leads me to what is the domain which pollutes the advertising industry? Because the agencies are very good at saying, um, you know, brand ha must have a purpose. But what's the purpose of an agency? Mm -hmm. and, and, and of this industry in general? One aspect is what you mentioned earlier on, you know, you know calculating the CO2 that you, you create when you do production, you take planes to produce uh, mm -hmm. film and so forth. And on the social aspect, there's a lot of uh, rules that can be done. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, how, how do you do a, a ethical, uh, an ethical uh, casting for mm -hmm. production or whatever? I mean, agencies have, you know, agencies have, have moved in that direction. Uh, the best example for me is... Um, Probably the, the further to, to, to the point I, I'm going to make is the, the, the association done by 
I think it's IPG called the unstereotype. Uh, IPG mm-hmm. and Unilever and Procter and Gamble and, and all these guys, the, the unstereotype alliance. If you think about what is the purpose of an agency, the purpose of, and, and what is the footprint of an agency, the footprint of an agency is is definitely not consuming you know, plastic and planes and this and that. But the real footprint is the output. Is mm-hmm. the is what you put what you put in the head of the people that you communicate to, it, the mind print, if you yeah. want. Uh, that is the footprint of the industry, and that is, in my opinion, and that is my my big com, uh, thing is we have to work against the bad, the the CO two, the carbon print that we put in the head of the people. And we can do that, but it's tough because we use energy mm. that is carbonated. This energy, the carbonated energy we use is stereotypes, is hyperboles, mm. is generalization, is, you know, is uh, working on your emotions instead of your... Of, 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 all these things are carbonated because they, they, they are good, but they have a bad part. Stereotype is, is, is an incredibly powerful way of communicating. And you need that. You need that to get to the point. You need that to, to, to bring a story which, is, uh, which, which talks to you. But on the other hand, it is dangerous because it is a stereotype and yeah. it can am- amplify the bad aspect. Of There's it. A, a copywriter, uh, Ray Black, who is retired now. But Ray said uh, 70, 80 years ago, advertising was also known as propaganda. And propaganda was particularly used well by the Nazis. Yeah. Right? So that if you're working in advertising, you have to realise that you're working in the propaganda industry. And so there is, with great power comes great responsibility because you can use that those skills to do good for society or to do bad. And that his his uh, speech to young creative people was that the only thing, the only choice to be made is to use those powers for good. There is a say by by uh, by Bernback. John Bernback said, "Advertising is a powerful tool. You can use it to elevate, or you can use it." I'm, I'm sorry, the, I, you can uh, use Bill, Bill Birnbach, yeah, yeah, said Bill, Bill, not yeah. Bill, yeah. Yeah. Bill Birnbach said, yeah, it's a, it's a powerful tool that can be used to grow uh, or, you know, further um, business or for bad, you know, for real. Yeah. So mm. it, 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 I'm sorry, I can't find, yeah. I can't remember the... The, the, the exact quote. He, he had so many of them. <laughs> uh, Herbert, this has been great, except we've run out of time. I okay. could talk. I could talk for hours with you on this because it's... I find it such a uh, it's such a, a interesting area, not just for doing good, but also the challenges that the world offers in trying to achieve that. So I thank you for your time. Just before we uh, finish up, I just want to ask you: uh, of all of the brands that you've experienced, which one do you think is getting doing good the most right? Mm-hmm.